way, people. July 7th, 2023, welcome to Counterspin. In this episode that we are calling Stop Co-Governance, You Racist Bastards, we talked to Julian Batchelor of Stop the Co-Governance Tour that's causing a lot of controversy around the country, but also reaching a hell of a lot of communities that are united, united and going to see him to find out what this controversy is all about. Uh, what they're getting, of course, is a good education into why co-governance should not be a thing. And of course, like every other agenda we're finding rammed down our throat from all over the world, this government and their par the parasitical leeches are in lockstep of pushing this out in this country. The Voice in Australia, the black rep reparations over in the US, it's all exact same thing. You'll hear it more shortly. Now, Julian and Amy Benjamin, who's a former Amy Benjamin, a former law lecturer at AUT, now a freelance sovereign academic, she, as well as Julian, will be putting their perspectives um, on this issue. Uh, before we get to that, let's uh, talk about spike proteins. As we know, spike proteins are becoming more of a concern as people find out more information about it. So Extra Life have uh, developed a product called the Spike Detox. The Spike Detox, of course, is there to address those concerns. If you go to extralife.co.nz, get yourself the Spike Detox. Use CSM promo code at checkout for your $10 off your order. Now, while you're there, uh, this is for you ladies as well, because you're more um, worried about your appearance than us males are. We got to hell, man, we don't really care. Um, but if you want to not look like this, now that, of course, is Zelda of the 80s uh, TV series, Terra Hawks, and you want to more look like, you want to look more like this, oh, Cindy Crawford, then believe me, go on that website, extralife.co.nz, and check out Rewind. Rewind helps prevent... The aging, in effect, reverses the aging process. So it's something definitely to look at uh, the way some of us are going. Works for men too. So men, you get on there and do the same if you want to, of course, attract some women. Okay, um, we also have the Counterspin mugs. So if you want to, in two different sizes, if you want to email merch at counterspinmedia.com, get yourself a mug because believe me, you'll be a mug if you don't. Yes, I wrote that myself. Okay, now um, the message of the of Julian Batchelor as he goes around the country um, and the Stop Code Governance Tour, the contents of the presentation, is gaining traction all over the place. Now, um, Invercargill Mayor uh, Nobby Clark was at one of Julian Batchelor's uh, meetings and basically made his uh, position clear on the whole co-governance and, of course, talked about the majority of his council as well. Uh, this is just a taste of the... I suppose the settings or mood of those meetings. Take a look at this, and I'll be back with Julian Batchelor right after this. Okay, this is a great crowd. We've pretty much filled the room, a few spare seats here, and then we've still got a few minutes, and I know we're, we're, we're just got to get going now, so we'll close the doors. That's it, we're it. Okay, so, all right, so I've explained the rules, and now over to my favourite mayor in New Zealand, apart from, apart from the mayor of Kaipara, who's Craig Jepson. And he's another great mayor. So you've got some great mayors, and Nobby Clark is one of them. So let's give Nobby a hand for coming tonight. And uh, 
Do you want Nobby to come and stand here? Where would you want him to stand? Right here, Nobby. I think they want you here. This is all part of like being... When you're famous, Nobby, you've got to do what you're told. Okay. Can you turn his microphone off now? You can. All right. For those who don't know me, uh, I'm Nobby Clark, Mayor of the Cargill. And so uh, just so that the people that get upset when I talk publicly are not upset after this, this is my view of the world, all right? Not, not my full council view, um, but it is fair to say everybody around the council table at the moment is pro-democracy and, and the majority of the councils around the table are also opposed to co-governance. And so we've tested the water that with three waters. So, And joining me now is Julian Batcher from Stop Co-Governance Tour. Welcome to Counterspin, Julian. G'day, Kevin. Hi. Nice to be here with you on your great show. I tell you what, you've been causing a bit of controversy as you've been uh, trailblazing around the country. How many um, meetings have you had so far? Um, it's getting, uh, I think it's about 30, 32, 33 meetings. And how many <laughs> how many cancellations have you had? Well, at least that number. Do, is it sort of anywhere you go now, um people attempt to cancel you but you always manage to find another venue you always manage to find another venue there's always somebody pops up and says we want to help you here's a venue or sometimes we have to we've got to be very nimble and um flexible and we can go into an industrial building and hire 200 chairs and just set up and everybody rocks up to there honestly this is like north korea this is like a, this is like living in a, a communist underground you know where you've got to you've got to be like an underground movement in a democracy Free speech is basically shut down. Well, that's that's true, actually. <clears throat> We've often said it on the show that um, everyone is for free speech until you disagree with them. And then all of a sudden, free speech goes out the window and the and the and the desire for it. Um, a few quick fire questions. You've been accused of being a racist, are you? Totally. Of course, I'm not. I'm not a racist. I you'd say that. Right, right now, those watching will be saying, "Yeah, but he's he's going to say that anyway." What are your comments on that? Well, I'm not a racist. Let's just get the definition out there. Yeah, exactly. We'll be covering the definition a little later. Um, okay, some say that the tour is a vendetta against Māori because of a land issue you had up north or have up north. Um, what are your comments in regards to that? That land issue that I had opened my eyes to what's going on. I had that, that land issue was the greatest thing ever to happen to me. It was extremely severe, but I had my eyes open to what tribal rules like. It's hell. And you yep. don't coming to New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. Um, for those who don't know, because there's a lot of people still trying to get their head around it, what the hell is co-governance and what does it really mean? Well, co-governance is a phrase that the Labour um, Party's using and other parties have used, like the National Party entered into co-governance arrangements. It's basically, if you want to know what it really is, because there's a difference between what the media says it is and what it really is the media says it's just a lovely little arrangement with maori to share power and to have a seat at the table they say and they use phrases like that and to share power and you know to uh, um, be um, consistent with what they call uh, treaty principles and the our obligations under the treaty and so on and so on and so on that is all spin what it really is is the elite maori takeover of new zealand yeah we call that the um the uh, business brown table. It's the business brown table. to the business round table. It's an iwi mafia at work in New Zealand. And their goal 
in my book. Have you read my book? No, maybe you haven't. Yes. Oh, you have. Yeah, okay. I have. Yep. There is a there is a um a move, and it's out in the public domain for New Zealand to be taken over by Maori by two thousand and forty. And so, hey, Pua Pua made it very clear. My tiki, my tiki, my Aotearoa said that full control must be must go to Maori over all domains in New Zealand by two thousand forty. Now, this is based on a Treaty of Waitangi fraud, isn't it? Because the Treaty of Waitangi English version is an absolute fraud. Well, the one they're using, they're using two. The the Waitangi Tribunal uses two versions. They use the James Freeman um, fake um, fraudulent um, version. Well, it's not fraudulent. You know, James Freeman was a guy who started writing treaties. He was actually sacked from the treaty writing process. And after the treaty was signed off and on the 17th of February, 1840, Colenso made 200 copies of the treaty in, in Maori. And, but um, James Freeman started writing his own ones that he was sending off to England and and um, unauthorized and to New South Wales. And one, of, and one of those got into the pocket of a guy called Maunsell on the 11th of February who went to get... Um, he went to get uh, signatures of chiefs in in um, the Waikato heads. And what happened was he had a copy of the treaty in Maori that had been printed by Colenso with him, and he read that to the Maori chiefs who were assembled, but there were too many Maori chiefs assembled for getting all the signatures on the one sheet of paper he had. He was waiting for the dogskin version, which was the one that was signed at Waitangi, and it was slow coming. And in his top pocket, he had a rogue version of the of a James Freeman muckaround treaty, which had forests and fisheries in it and some other things. And so he bought it out of his pocket and just wanted to use the back of it to gather signatures. Now, those two documents, the treaty in Maori, the one printed by Colenso, and the James Freeman rogue version were wax sealed together. But as time went on, they separated and Maori found this rogue James Freeman version with forests and fisheries in it, unauthorized. But what he'd done is Monsell took it back to, to base, if you like, to Hobson and said, would you sign this? Now, all, all Hobson was signing off was the fact that the signatures that he'd gathered were bona fide. Not the not the treaty that that they were signing. It was just that it was he just signed it because of the 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 um the signatures, and yeah, so, so the, Maori, Maori have taken that and said, "Oh, this is the official English treaty." It's so different from the treaty in Maori. The treaty in Maori is what we should all be following. And I'm trying to get the whole country back to the treaty in Maori. In fact, international law says that every country must use the uh, the, the a treaty. In, in the language of the native people, that's the Maori yeah. treaty. We're not using that, so that's right. yeah. So we got a we got a big fraud going on here. Yeah, so the 1975 Treaty of Waitangi Act that Matiarasa put through Parliament. Uh, that's the fraud. The English version is the fraud. If you take the Maori one and you put the English one beside it, there is no way in hell that you can translate one lot for that. It's like a, a mega structure compared to an anthill type thing. Um, and one one suits us all. The other one does not, as you say, that just causes division. But that, I think, is where the plan is. It's a complete dividing the society. So as usual, the plebs argue over issues of no real importance, why the elites come in and just 
gorge themselves on the real wealth of the country and the rest of us get two tenths of stuff all. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, well, that's pretty much, pretty much summarizes it. Um, but the tribunal is basically using a fraudulent copies of the treaty to hand out billions to elite Maori. They're also yeah. using, they're also using the 1989 Hugh back translation. I go all through this in my seminars and t- tease it out a bit. So how many Māori – you've also been accused of not allowing entry to people with a, a darker shade of skin colour, um, like, you know, you're preventing them come in. Are you preventing uh, potential troublemakers or do you just don't want Māori in there? No, of course not. You know, this is the spin the media puts on it. They We say, look – we filter people at the door because they're private meetings. We used to have public meetings. In other words, anybody could come, everybody. And we get 100 protesters in there, and 99% of them were Maori, and they just shouted and abused all the way through the meeting, and yet basically they wrecked the meeting. So the police said to us, hey, you know what? You need to make them private meetings so we have the power to arrest people. And they said, you need to be able to then filter people at the door. Well, we we can tell an activist a mile off now. I'm getting really good at it. And uh, so we filter people at the door, doesn't matter what color their skin is. If they're a, if they're an activist Chinese or activist European, we've had a lot of European activists, and we say you can't come in. So it's not a it's not a skin color issue; it's a behavior issue. If they're badly behaved and they want to wreck the meeting, they can't come in. We just say no, you can't come in, because I'm protecting the right of the 200 people in the room to hear me, and I'm protecting my right to speak. You can protest outside 50 metres down the road where you don't interrupt our meeting. That's fine. I don't begrudge you protesting, but not inside my meeting because you're cancelling out our right to free speech. See you later. Yeah, it actually, it always astounds me how you get some very, very fair skin. I would, I would say people with probably one molecule of that blood type within them, and then all of a sudden they're claiming to be Māori. Sometimes they'll tattoo their chin, and all of a sudden they think they're more special than anybody else. We on the show have done um, episodes on the Treaty of Waitangi, where we proved the current one to be a fraud. Uh, we also talk about the Littlewood Treaty, and through forensics, actual forensics, uh, we proved our point. Uh, no one comes back and challenges us on that. It's just you racists. Of course, they bandy that around to shut you up and hoping everyone then oh, I don't want to be called a racist, so I better not say anything uh, rather than stand up for what we believe. Yep. Um, and they're not into open and frank dialogue. I mean, I'm I'm more than happy to help. I mean, I, I was I was right into helping Māori uh, be recognised in a certain thing way back, you know, over 23 years ago. I'm the only one to use a Māori passport twice successfully overseas because I knew how to do it. They didn't do it themselves, I did. Um, and a few other things. I said, if you're going to, be sovereign and start acting like it. Stop, you know, going to the courts and begging and all that sort of thing. Um, so I can probably take some of the blame for some of the crap that's going on myself. Um, so you've often uh, stated, and I've I've heard I've heard you say that, of course, co-governance isn't good for the country at all. I mean, all it's going to, to in my mind, it's going to create another Zimbabwe type situation or or the bad ones that have come along. What is your, if you were to identify three main points in this argument as to why co-governance is something that we should stay away from, absolutely, what would that be? Well, it's destroying democracy. That's the first big point. When you start appointing people onto 
Maori uh, council wards, Maori ward seats, and all this so forth on, onto councils, and they're not elected. As soon as you start appointing people into positions of power in either central government or local government, you have moved from democracy to dictatorship. And that's what's happened. And, you know, McAnulty and others, Willie Jackson, say we're tweaking democracy. No, they're not. They're destroying democracy. I don't want tribal rule. I don't want Maori dictatorship. And nobody does. And so you have to stick strictly to one person, one vote, all votes of equal value, and that has been completely undermined. The other issue is this, is that um, it's destroy it's spreading apartheid. Because every time somebody gets a favour, one cultural group, there's 160 cultural groups in New Zealand, and every time one cultural group gets a favour or a handout that nobody else gets, that's apartheid. That's racism. Absolutely. So when, when favouring one for another, yeah. So when Maori were given eight hundred and forty-five million in the latest budget, and nobody else was, I went, well, what about the Indians? What about the Thai people? What about the the Croatian people? What about the Dutch people in New Zealand and all the other cultures? Hundred and sixty of them. Maori are only the ones getting all the handouts, getting all the special favours. They got they got nine hundred million for for to fight COVID. Well, who else got that in New Zealand? We're all taxpayers. Why didn't we get it? That's a lot of money to fight a phantom. <laughs> what a phantom. And so they yeah. got this money. And so so the, so the first one was the destruction of democracy. Second one was that co-governance is wrong because it's spreading racism and apartheid. And the biggest racists in the world at the moment are the New Zealand government, driven by the Maori caucus and the, and, and corporate Maori. And no, I agree. the third great thing about that's wrong with co-governance is that it is going to destroy New Zealand completely because we are moving at rapid pace from democracy to Maori dictatorship. And all of the things you see, the changing of street, street signs, the infusion of Te Reo into government documents and all sorts of documents, our, uh, uh, um, the takeover of our schools, this is all grooming for tribal rule. Yeah, we're, this fact, has nothing to do with the Maori language. This is grooming. We're all being groomed heavily, and this is this is akin to nineteen twenties and nineteen thirties Nazi Germany. Yeah. This is Goebbels stuff. They're capturing the young minds of kids, little children, right through school, to capture the next generation of voters, and they've openly told me that they're happy for the under 50s to die off so we don't have to deal with them. And then we've got the young people who just come with us uh, into a Maori New Zealand. Yeah. And, of course, Māori often cite the Declaration of Independence, 20th of October, 1835, as the reason why they're somehow elevated to a special status. The problem, of course, with the Declaration of Independence, or he Whakaputanga, they call it, is that, most haven't even read it and what it actually says. For a start, it states that the sovereignty of the Maori nation shall be exercised exclusively through the chiefs and heads of hapu. The rest don't get a say. So all you've got to do is control the heads and the rest just fall into line. It's a top-down pyramidical structure. Secondly, they talk about not allowing any authority but that by their own hand to exist upon the lands they occupy. At the time, they didn't occupy much land at all. There wasn't enough and greater number to do so. And um, by their own hand, they've got Māori seats of which they vote in on Māori general election roles. So they have already by their own hand allowed that to exist upon their lands. 
They also talk about, um, it was a letter, of course, to King William, stating that they would like him to be the parent guardian of their infant state and protect them against any attempts upon their sovereign sovereignty. They have never, in a collective capacity, because it talks about being in a collective capacity, come of age and said, we'll take it from here. It's never happened. So all of those points completely eviscerate the, the whole standing upon Hefakaputanga. That then, of course, some say it was a constitution. It was not. It was a letter. They got a flag back to stop their ships being um, boarded and their cargo seized when overseas, uh, not for any other reason. They adopted a flag because they're right. No, this represents the modern nation. That was the first legal recognition. But everyone knows that you can't contract for anybody else. And if you're doing it up far north, it doesn't cover the rest of the country. So for them to then turn around and state, right, all lands are ours. Oh, we used to bathe there like when Adam was a cowboy. So therefore, uh, that's now ours and you really should give us money. It's the biggest joke of the century. And someone has to get some common sense, logic and reason back into this discussion. Because believe me, it's going to hell in, going to hell in a handbasket very fast. Your comments. Well, I've written a paper on the 1835 Declaration of Independence. I'd love to send it to anybody who wants to read it. But Busby only met with the chiefs once, and they never met again after 1835, and it was never ratified by the British government. And when you think of the logic of it, the Maori were fighting again in 1838, the Maori chiefs in Northland, and so it was a complete flop. But yeah, it's through. 540 chiefs signed the Treaty of Waitangi, which clearly states that they ceded sovereignty. So the Treaty of Waitangi trumps everything that's come before. The British, of course, at, at this British, point, just before we carry on, we've just got to clarify that one point because this is the thing, I think, a pivotal, a pivotal piece that is where the argument constantly is. They state that Kawangatanga is governance only. They gave governance to um, they didn't give sovereignty, and this is the whole the whole thing. And then, of course, if you get around that argument, it is then said that oh, but they weren't they wouldn't have understood that they were signing their their basically their lives away at the time, so um, it can't stand. What are your comments on that? Oh, that's absolutely rubbish. If you look at my seminar and it's online, I go through Kawanatanga in a lot of detail. It's impossible, literally impossible. To formulate an argument saying that Maori did not cede sovereignty and that the chiefs didn't know what Kawanatanga meant. And I go through the detail of how you know that happened. I, if you want me to give it to you here, I could. But you know what? I, I think if you go to the actual slides, a little section in that whole seminar that was that was live streamed from Invercargill, it just makes it so clear that, that Maori ceded sovereignty. And I, and I go through systematically, forensically, showing you how we know Maori knew what that word meant. Yeah. So give people who are watching um, the places to actually look for the stuff themselves. They go on to my website, which is www.stopcogovernance.kiwi. And they scroll down until they hit, it's not very far down, they hit the Mayor of Invercargill and me speaking together on co-governance, and they they fast forward the video to about an hour and a half in, and they'll hit the Treaty of Waitangi, and people can go straight to Kawanatanga, straight to Tina Rangatiratanga, straight to Taonga, which are the three great 
words that have been twisted by Hugh Carfrey. It backs the side that want the division. They need the division in order to roll out their agenda. And unfortunately, us, we're all playing into it. Um, and of course, at each other's throats while they're just carving everything up, like I said. I mean, you know, the banquet's meant to be ours in a shared lunch type thing. But instead, we're fighting over the scraps that fall from the table, and that's got to stop. Right. Correct. What's the solution? Julian, what is the solution? You have to have one hell of a strong leader come into New Zealand, and you have to have a complete reboot of the New Zealand hard drive, if you like, of the whole country. And you have to have somebody who will say, we're going to expunge, E-X-P-U-N-G-E, all co-governance and racist legislation from New Zealand's parliament. And yeah. you, have to, you have to basically reboot the entire country the sexualization of little kids now in, in schools, not just co-governance. Yeah. But the whole country, the the media is basically like a rotting carcass and it stinks. Yeah, I, I personally, and I'll, for the record, I'm 100% against co-governance. I'm 100% against any um, perceived race being elevated to a position of being a deity where everyone else has to bend and scrape to them and, um, you know, say, sorry for shit we never did. Um, I'm not into that at all. Uh, I have Māori, I have Pacific Islanders and that all the way through my family. So to call me racist is lunacy as well. Um, and we all get on well. When when the job has to be done, we get together, we do the job and we make sure it gets, gets done to the betterment of everybody. It's not about I'm going to walk over you to get something... Um, that I want, and I'm going to blame you for some shit just so I get it, you know what I mean? Because that's what's happening here. And no one likes speaking out and saying that because all of a sudden you get the trolls online and all of a sudden you're a racist. Um, I want to play just to, before we uh, let you go because I know you're pressed for time. I want to play a 90-second clip for you mm -hmm. um, and, and have you listen to it. This is the type of thing that we're dealing with because it's like an echo chamber on that side as well. Um, this is Joe Trinder, and for the record, I actually like Joe. I mean him get on quite well. Uh, we have definitely have opposing views on a lot of things, including this. Um, and he's, you know, he's he's batting for his side. I don't have a side. I just like calling it straight up the guts. Um, but have a listen to this, and 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 let me know your comments afterwards. So he's a social media commentator, uh, Joe Trinder. Trinder, welcome to the show this evening, Joe. Oh, Tinakwe, how are you? Very well indeed, thank you. Joe, have you been doing some trying to do some gate crashing? <laughs> Is that what I hear? Yeah, I tried to um to get into Julian Batchelor's um stop co governance clan rally and um and us and a couple of others he wouldn't let us in, which looked like it was based on our skin pigmentation. Well, oh gosh, well that is um well, I suppose if it's a private meeting, they can uh, they can admit who they want to. So, and and that was about. Uh, he's the dude that's going around the country holding these meetings that seem to be nobody seems to want to want to um, hire out a venue these days. Um, and it's all about co governance, is it? And slagging off and having putting the boot into Maori. Yeah, it's not really about co governance because he doesn't talk about about co governance. He just. He just talks of, it's just really an anti-Māori tour. Like, I've watched his content and it's, 
it's going through, it's adjusting uh, New Zealand history dramatically. Um, it's, it's about trying to glorify colonisation, that it was a beautiful event for Māori. It's, um, it's corrupting um, Te Kiriti of Waitangi and using the Littlewood paper instead of the actual treaty of Waitangi. So it's, it's not really about, it's not really about co-governance, more about slandering Māori. There you go. Basically, you're holding clan rallies and you're slagging off Māori. That's basically the gist of what Joe's saying. Your comments? Oh, that's the opposite of what the seminars are about. We're actually def- we're actually promoting Māori. We're actually we're actually batting for the average Māori in New Zealand, and we've got Māori on our site saying that. In fact, he hasn't got a clue what's in our seminar. He hasn't seen the videos. I can tell. He has no idea what he is talking about. He's so off. Because we have Māori, like in Ashburton, three nights ago, a Māori lady in her 60s stood up. She said, I came in here to create a big ruckus. She said, I've listened to everything Julian said. She's a, we've actually got her on our website. And she says, <laughs> she says, I agree with everything julian said and we maori have got a face and things and we're all one people and and the crowd erupted into a big clap and she walked out and i thought fantastic we captured it on video it's on our website on the homepage. yes we have that clip lined up and we can play it now watch this my name is Minnie. my daughter came last night and i came here to cause ruckus i was in queenstown i'm being honest okay she told me something and it beat me off that's why I'm here. I sat over there listening to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I'll be honest, even with my own. A lot of the stuff you said was true. It's true. We as Māori, you know, we've got to accept it. We are one. Yes. No matter what's No matter what colour we are, we bleed the same colour. Okay? So we are here to respect each other. Yes. Not come here and start, because I was about to turn this upside down. But sitting here listening, and you know, yeah, I'm telling the truth. And that is it. I'm out of here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, there is a woman who has broken through the narrative indoctrination, believed one thing due to what she's been told, goes along, actually listens, and then comes up with something else. Um, Now, we know there's Maoist communist revolutionaries that are uh, behind all this as well. I mean, this is the the slow march through the institutions. I mean, we know we've got uh, Chinese Communist Party influence peddling operations in this country. We know that National Labour are bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. Um, basically they're so far up the rear end of them, you can only see their shoes, whether they're red or blue sticking out on any given day, who knows? But uh, we know that we're in debt to them as well, that there's deals being signed. There's a whole lot of things that need to become out. And we basically need to say, okay, New Zealand, this is what's been happening. This is the criminal behavior that's done and hold these people to account because until then, we're going to continue to fight over crap that we just shouldn't be uh, worried about. We should be worried about... um, the money masters controlling everything. We should be worrying about the UN Sustainable Development Goals and the World Economic Forum um, 
future 50-minute city plans for us. We should be worrying about the child trafficking. We should be worrying about, like you say, sexualization of our kids in schools. There's a whole lot of things we need to be worrying about a hell of a lot more than, uh, A, who was here first, and we know it wasn't them. Like you see, I can prove that. Um, and, you know, who's who's going to get the next $100 million payout for no reason at all? They just love wasting money, and all that's doing is creating even more debt that everyone has to pay off, and we're in debt and for future generations to come. So this 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 madness has to stop. And I'm glad you're actually speaking. I'm glad you're going out there um, giving the other side of the, um, the... Because that's what it is. You're basically giving the other side of the argument. Like Counterspin gets accused of saying, oh, you're only you're only giving one side. Yeah, because they've, they've, they're dominating the other side of the news. They, they're giving you the one narrative that the government wants you to have, wants to brainwash you with, so you have an opinion that they've created for you. And you just ad hominally just attack everyone who goes against it we counterspin that and we give you the other side and we show you with facts and evidence and that's what they do not like so you've you're doing your tour you've got a lot of venues they're packing out of course you've got this the small my and they are a minority a lot of people think these people represent a large number but they're not they're very very um small in number but they are well resourced so these people, quite often, apart from the useless idiots who are just out there holding placards not knowing what the hell they're talking about, they're actually well-financed. And uh, you should see that uh, NGOs, non-government organizations that are behind it all and funding these people to come and try and take you down because they don't like what you're saying. As we said, free speech is great until you disagree with someone, then all of a sudden they want to shut you up and call it hate speech. And you've been racist as the latest, of course. So where, where to from here? Well, what's your... You've got another uh, other meetings coming up over the next few days. Where, where, where are they going to be? Christchurch now. And then I'm flying to in, to uh, Tauranga. There's three meetings in Tauranga. That's Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Wow. And the Mount Monganui uh, Community Hall. I'm excited about that. Tonight we're in the Scottish Hall in, in, um, in, um, in Christchurch. And then I go to West. I fly back down. I go to Westport. And then we're off to Nelson, Motueka. Um, Picton and the whole a whole bunch of um, locations at the top of the South Island. So, is there any parting words, uh, Julian, that you want to that, that you want to tell people uh, to convince them, any who might be on the fence, that you aren't actually a racist? Yeah, you are a bit pissed off with what's going on. I think we all are, to be honest, and we should really should focus our anger where it's meant to be, and that's the bought and paid for political whores infesting our parliament like parasites. This is the most serious issue. Co-governance is the most serious issue New Zealand's faced since 1840. It's not going to go away. It's only going to get worse. Inflation can come and go. Food prices can come and go. This is not going to come and go. This is getting worse and worse and worse. And just say national and and um, act and New Zealand first become the next government. Everybody thinks, oh, that's wonderful. But all indications are that co-governance is going to be kept going by national. And then what's what are the Labour Party and the Greens and the Maori Party going to do for three, six, nine years that they're out? They're just going to regroup. And when they get back in, and they will because New Zealand has just a history of flux, wax and wane. Yep. When they get back in, they're going to put the pedal to the metal and they're going to be full on again for taking over New Zealand. So this has got to be this has got to be expunged. It's got to be taken out completely because if you've got a bit of cancer left in your body, it's going to come back and it's going to take you. 
And it's the same with co-governance. It's got to be completely gone. New Zealand has to go into co-governance for a mission. Yes. <clears throat> In fact, it has to go into co-governance, co-governance get rid of completely. Um, so one more time so people can find the information directly from you instead of through the mainstream uh, media and their uh, slanted, bought and paid for narrative. Give you that yeah. website one more time. It's www.stopcogovernance, all one word, no dots or dashes, stopcogovernance.kiwi. Brilliant. So S-T-O-P-C-O-G-O-V-E-R-N-A-N-C-E.kiwi. Excellent. And we wish you all the best on the rest of your tour. Um, and we look forward to uh, releasing this shortly and, of course, having the trolls have a conniption that we did have you on and actually spoke the truth. Thanks a lot, Kelvin. You kept up the good work. We need you in the country badly. So um, uh, we will, mate. We will. Nothing's stopping this train. You know why? Because it's a people's platform and they back it to the hilt. So there's anyone's keeping us going. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good day. Bye. See you later, buddy. Thanks. And that was Julian Batchelor from Stop the Co Governance Tour. And that's stopcogovernance.kiwi. So look for the information directly from him there. Racist, not racist, up to you to decide. But now you've heard his side of it. You've heard um, the other side of it. It's up to you to ferret the information and find out for yourself what is real and what is not. But I'll tell you something right now, just like the uh, my position I've already expressed in this episode, uh, it stands until someone comes along with a credible information that challenges my belief and causes me to have a paradigm shift. At the moment, I'm stuck firm on completely 100% no co-governance whatsoever. We're meant to be all Kiwis here. We're meant to be all going the same place. That's where we need to get, and we can do it together. We just have to get out of the victim mentality, and we actually have to get information. It's the information that's been hidden that you're not allowed to examine that's causing the rift. So let's just, warts and all, lay it all bare, and come to a joint consensus and we can move on. And joining me now is Amy Benjamin, former law lecturer at AUT, now a freelance sovereign academic at large. Um, Amy's joining me now because I want to get her take on the whole co-governance controversy and um, to also look at how that's playing out across the world because there's not an isolated incident here. Welcome to Counterspin, Amy, or should I say welcome back. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Okay. Okay, your take on the whole co-governance controversy here and, of course, what lessons we get because in Australia, of course, we have The Voice. That's a Aboriginal uh, push. Uh, and we have the Blacks over in uh, the US and we have another uh, a whole lot of countries experiencing the very similar thing that we're experiencing here. What's your take on it all? I think in any situation in any country where one group is uh, making a bid for political power based on the circumstances of their birth, I think that's wrong and wrongful and deeply harmful to human society. And the circumstances of the birth could be, you know, the amount of melanin you were born with, so your skin color or the culture you were born into um, or the um, sexual preferences you, you claim to have or the sex you claim to be. Um, Any time that a bid for political power is based on those sorts of 
uh, arbitrary things that have nothing to do with the content of your character and the bid for political power is wrongful and we shouldn't allow it. Yeah, and of course over here we have that in spades. Um, Māori is saying they should be elevated to special status because, and they start citing documents that are hot, hotly debated here as well and half the interpretations basically on both sides seem to be wrong. Uh, no one has a clear indication of what really is the underpinning um, truth of it all. We have archives that are embargoed that we can't get hold of to have a you know a fully informed discussion. Everyone's talking at each other instead of with each other. We, we seem to be going nowhere fast. Would that be your um, your view of it? Yes, and I you know I think you're right to the extent that any pro governance arguments are based on histo history or historical interpretations. Then we need to know the history and a lack of transparency regarding the history much of which seems to be shrouded in political secrecy due to classification of, of uh, information, withholding the information from the public and public scrutiny. You can't have an honest debate about what history requires um, without, without uh, full transparency. And, you know, we, we see this played out in the COVID context. We couldn't have an honest debate about the Pfizer vaccine because we couldn't see the contract Pfizer's um, uh, concluded with the government. This is similar themes across similar issues. So, yeah, if we want to talk history, if history is relevant to the question of the legitimacy of co-governance, and if we want to talk history, we need a, a full and transparent history. Um, yeah, we, we, and we let the chips we fall where they to, may. Exactly. We continue to go on about you know releasing the Pfizer contract to see exactly what they did and what they sold out and what they yeah. used as backing or collateral for um, the jabs. I mean, it's, it always astounded me where uh, the government can pay a certain amount for each jab, but pay a hell of a lot more to people to coax other people into taking it. Now we find out through some of the studies that one in every three or uh, two out of three were placebos. So this whole 95% vax rate is, is a lie. And uh, so the harm done is actually now mountains of percentages ahead or increased of what they stated it was to start with. So it's actually not looking good at all for those who actually got the poison. Now you, Kevin. Kevin, I I just just want to throw in here that you know yeah. I said this 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 theme of of secrecy um, kneecapping honest debate. It's in the COVID context. It's in the co-governance context. It's also in the context of the Christchurch uh, shootings. Um, you can't have an honest oh, debate yeah. about the Christchurch shootings and whether they constituted a false flag um, without being able to look at the video footage. Um, so again, this this issue crops up time and again. The government wants to withhold information and then have an argument that they basically claim they win based on um, based on the factual record that um, they carefully curate for the public. Well, I could win any argument too if I got to control the information that could be considered. Exactly, and as, as as people know, the Christchurch um, March fifteenth, two thousand nineteen shootings uh, is something we're very familiar with. Uh, concerning we're facing court action because we dared to want to um, have people look at the information and and present, you know, all facts and evidence backing it, not just the controlled narrative the government wanted in order to do their Christchurch call to take guns away from people, and basically make you subject to their tyrannical rule basically that's really what it comes down to um yeah. now you you are you're a good study of course of american politics and what's going on over there uh we follow it closely as well because what happens in america seems to spill out over the rest of the world as well i mean it's that's going to hell in the handbasket as well um 
we are seeing similar things there that we're seeing here with this whole co-governance structure. Can you give people a bit of an idea about that if we take a 30,000-foot view? Well, in the United States, uh, for um, the last 50 years or so, um, the Americans have used uh, what they call positive discrimination, also called uh, affirmative action, uh, to uh, uh, ostensibly rectify the ongoing effects of uh, the years of uh, white against black discrimination under the Jim Crow regime, the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow. Um, the Supreme Court has just struck that down finally as unconstitutional um, in the context of uh, university admissions, basically ruling that it's unconstitutional to use the criterion of race to ameliorate the effects of um, of uh, previous acts of discrimination and racism. Um, I think this is really long overdue. I, I don't, uh, and, and, and a very welcome development. Um, the, the court, I think, is recognizing the obvious that however bad racism is, it's, uh, it, it, it is no solution to use race as a criterion for rectifying the effects of it. Um, this is, you know, you could you could see it in 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 two ways. First of all, using race as a rectifying criterion, I don't think it's necessary, and it hasn't been proven to me to be necessary to rectify prior, you know, the effects of past racism. The United States experience has not shown it to be necessary. Um, what I think doomed Black Americans. Um, from the 1960s onward was not the lingering effects of racism. I think it was several other factors that had nothing to do with the lingering effects of racism. Um, and uh, without those factors, um, and I can name the deindustrialization of the country, I could name the introduction of crack cocaine into black communities by the CIA, I could name the introduction, the introduction of gangster rap into black communities um, by the CIA. All these things were the thing were the factors that doomed black American communities, not the lingering effects of racism. I think um, human populations and, and groups are, are very resilient. And I think Martin Luther King thought they would be resilient. And uh, were it not for these three factors um, introduced by the cabal, I think black America would be sitting very nicely indeed. They never, they probably never needed to be helped by race-based criteria. And I think the Supreme Court is waking up to that now. In fact, I think it's probably making... Um people like that more weak because they're basically taught to have a victim mentality and woe is me and sit around and wait for someone else to hand them something and therefore they won't get off their ass to do anything about it it goes on in all races though even white's the same thing i mean it's called um, to... go ahead go i think it's thomas Sowell um who calls it the racism of low expectations i think he coined that yeah I mean, you look at the Irish, They there were 30,000 of them at one go were um, slave traded and things like that. So, but, but you don't hear about that. You don't hear about the Irish saying, right, that's it, give us reparation for what you did to us way back when. You don't hear about the Scots who were burned off their land and had their houses raised to the ground um, by invading English armies and stuff either. You know, you don't hear about any of that. They just get on with shit and, and get stuff done. They don't cry. I mean, they were, they've been fighting this for over 800 years, Modi or Johnny come lately when it comes to the suffrage movement, if you really want to um, get down to brass tacks. But you don't hear us moaning our guts out about it. You know, I've probably got a castle somewhere I could go claim. But I'm here. This is where, where things are. And this is where I've got to pick myself up, get myself together and get 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 going on. Um, 
And to now, be we fair, talking... black, the black Americans never asked for for this help in the beginning either. They wanted to get on with things. Martin Luther King wanted to get on with things. Of course, Malcolm X yep. wanted more of a two-state solution, which at the end of the day, I think is a far more honest and just solution than um, basically uh, political reverse apartheid is, handing political power to people just based on the color of their skin. But, um, but Martin Luther King's wing of the black rights movement in the 60s just wanted to get on with things. They just wanted the artificial barriers of racism removed, and they were perfectly happy to take their destiny into their own hands. Uh, the black Americans did not ask for the deindustrialization of the country, which took away a lot of middle-class jobs for black Americans and of course, white middle-class Americans and decimated their communities economically. And King was assassinated at a point when he was beginning to understand that, that this might be in the future. And that was a big threat to Wall Street because if he was gonna rail against, if he was going to unmask the cabal plan of deindustrialization, that would have really unmasked a, 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 a very significant plank of their operation going forward. So he had to be taken out. And of course he was against the Vietnam War. But the, black, well, the point is the blacks never asked for any handouts. They never asked to be advanced based on the color of their skin. They really did believe um, that if they could just be judged by the content of their character, they would be just fine. That's all they needed. And uh, I think that's, that's the only pro-humanity solution, content of your character. It has to be that because the moral hazard the moral hazard posed to society by basing advancement on skin color or the culture you're born into is is, is just too obvious to belabor. Yeah. I mean, back back when we were younger, um, we had, uh, of course, the, the gangs were a big thing that were just becoming a big thing. A lot of them come together, a lot of them abused in state care, um, dysfunctional families, so they all come together to, like, look after each other, much like the Bloods and the Crips over in America, their original creation was to look after their neighborhood and, uh, you know, help the people within it. And then, of course, it went out of hand and become something other than what it was actually designed to be, much like here as well. Um, our gangs used to be absolutely amazing. They'd be given um, money. They would get businesses sorted, uh, just like they do the rubbish collections and that. And they were the best rubbish people. If they dropped their bag, they would go, they'd clean it up. They'd be very respectful. You know, people would give them food and that sort of stuff and drink out the taps or whatever. And it was working really fine until someone somewhere got in the middle and said, oh, no, no, you're doing it tough. You need more. And it's always someone behind the scenes driving this changing ideology in order to split society apart. So we, like I've mentioned when Julian was on, uh, where we argue over issues of no real importance, why the agenda and the people behind it rape everything uh, for themselves and leave us with the crumbs that fall from the table when the table has the banquet we should rightfully be sitting at. Um, so back to the US for a minute. Now, the, the Democrats, of course, accusing everyone of being racist, but it was actually the Democrats through our history who were actually the biggest racist ones. They're the ones who passed all these laws. They're the, these are the ones who had most of the slaves and all that sort of thing. Uh, but of course, we know that Democrats and Republicans, it's yet another national labor over here. It's just smoke screen to have to create polar opposites again to to cause division so the people and their plan goes unabated or doesn't get stopped. What's your opinion on um actually I'm I'm interested more on your two two state solution because there's a few world um examples of that. And would it work here? Well I think the foremost example is India Pakistan. Um, and uh, 
you know, that occurred, the separation of the British Raj in India into two nation states um, uh, was, was, was very messy, a lot of collateral, collateral damage when it occurred. But in a sense, it's in the long run maybe was a wise decision because you, you don't have uh, Muslims ruling over Hindus in India just because they're Muslim. Yes, you have Muslims in political power in India, but they have to buy for that political power just like their Hindu counterparts. And that's very healthy. They don't get installed in power. They don't have a claim to power just by the fact that they were born into a Muslim heritage. Um, so the two-state solution, uh, it can be very, uh, it could give rise to a lot of collateral damage in the moment that it's, uh, that it's brought into being. But in the long run, it's it, I think, is a more healthy solution uh, for the human soul than um, doling out political power based on the circumstances of your birth or the circumstances of your of your rearing. Um, United States, that's probably not um, a possibility because the Black American community uh, is demographically uh, spread out throughout the United States. They're not located in just the South. There was the Great Migration uh, to the North in the 1920s. And so that's not a solution, although um, you know, that doesn't stop the Democrats trying to kind of have ersatz solutions of that kind in the form of reparations for slavery, um, sort of allowing the blacks to dip into the state treasury um, and, and help themselves. Um, uh, uh, but you're not going to have a two-state solution in the United States. Whether you could have a two-state solution here, I, I think it, 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 it might well be possible. It, kind of would recall the India-Pakistan uh, separation. It would be very messy at first, but uh, but but once it were affected, um, uh, it, I think it would be better than um, having uh, a unitary state where Maori are given political power just because they're Maori. Because again, the, getting back to the moral hazards, the moral hazard is created in the Maori who are politically favored because um, they will have a, an arrogance to them and they will be able to, in a sense, um, uh, strut around um, on the basis of no accomplishment. What, you're born Maori? Fine. I was born Jewish, Irish. You know, uh, uh, tell me why you merit anything by the fact that you're born Maori or the fact that you're born Black. Um, but there's also the moral hazard, as you were getting at, Calvin, um, that resides in the puppeteers behind the scenes. So these will be the non-Maori, these will be the white power structure, just sitting back there quietly deciding who in the Maori community will get advanced uh, and will be deciding, you know, who gets what political power, how many Maoris too, too many, how, how, uh, how few Maoris too few. Um, and this is incredible power. And in in always the white, they tend to be male, um, white male puppeteers um, way, way behind the curtains, we never see them. So yeah. this is the, the crux of effect of, of a unitary state solution with um, positive discrimination. Um, I, I hate using the word positive, just the phrase positive discrimination, because it make, it gives it a positive um, connotation, but, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, pro-Mori discrimination vis-a-vis uh, -vis the white community. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you think we uh, have all Mori in the North Island? Send everyone else to the South Island, see each other in 20 years and see how we all got on or what. That'd be a more honest solution. And I'd be more in favor of that as messy it would be in the short term than I would with co-governance. Yeah. Well, like I said, you see, we're, we're open to everything at the moment because at the, at the moment there is no solutions on the table except we're got, we want to rule over you, like you say, because of the pigment of our skin. What astounds me is, is like I said in Waitangi once when I gave a speech up there, we're so cross-pollinated, we could be a bloody garden. You know what I mean? So 
who's to say who is Maori and who's to say who aren't? Because there's no such thing as Maori that came later. I mean, they were Polynesians. We're all imports. Everyone are imports, even them. They're not indigenous to here at all. They didn't originate here. You only originate here when you're born here. That if you call that the origin, that means you become native. But um, created here and originated from here and nowhere else, it's a lie. It just didn't happen. Uh, we, Which is a very good reason. A very good reason to have a, a, a. This is a very good reason to have a unitary state, a single state with traditional, time-honored Western politics of majority rule. Majority yeah. rule. With so long as the minority are also taken care of with a constitution that that makes sure that whatever the majority yeah. decide, it does not transgress the rights of those minorities. Um, yeah. I'm not into race-based politics like they're doing here. I prefer um, it will be based on need and necessity. So if you are um, over-representative in all the socioeconomic um, meters and in the bottom of the scale, need and necessity will dictate that you get taken care of. So it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, you know what I mean? Because there's plenty of white people who are as poor as shit and they can't get can't get by. Can't find it hard to, you know, decide one week, am I going to feed my kids or am I going to keep the power on? This is, yeah. a, this is a stark reality for a lot of people in this country. It's not just Maori. Um, and I know there's a lot of Maori out there who are sick to death of being looked at by everyone else as being freeloading bludgers, grifters, and all that sort of stuff when it's not them at all. It's actually those so-called elites backed by the puppeteers. Um, and I call it the ewification of New Zealand, not the modification, because Maori, uh, average Maori get nothing. They get kicked in the guts by both sides. They're like the political football while the others are carving it up. Would that be your interpretation or view of it? Yeah, I would. Um, you know, this has played out for decades in the United States. I mean, Clarence Thomas, the black Supreme Court justice, you know, for years was an opponent of affirmative action because he said, you know, whatever my accomplishments, white America will always think I, I achieve what I achieve. I got what I got uh, do, be, be, because I was helped, not not due to my own talents, but because I was uh, given handouts. Um, it's uh, it's it's a very nasty uh, it's a very nasty assumption to have to try to work through when you're a black American or a Maori and you are talented and you have gotten places, but the dom the majority culture thinks you're only there because uh, uh, you were gifted the things you earned. That's a very nasty um, a very nasty and unfortunate um, collateral effect of of this kind of corrosive system of any any system that awards advancement based on the circumstances of your birth, not the content of your character, not your choices. It's inevitable yeah. that these things will happen. Yeah, because there's some amazing Maori in this country who have, off their own bat and have, off their own efforts, have actually become top in their field in a lot, a number of disciplines. Um, yeah. They haven't had the handouts. They haven't had, you know, just that one thing and the other. Um, and then you've got the others who can't be bothered, so they expect others to help them up. Now, if I'm going to be operated on, I want someone who knows what the hell they're doing instead of someone who's there because of their race. You know what I mean? I don't leave a suture and have be sutured up and have a bloody a clamp left in me and all that sort of stuff because they forgot to remove it. You know what I mean? Well, so you know what? Mechanic as well. It's, it's funny you should mention that example because, you know, the natural sciences is kind of the last fortress to fall to, to uh, you know, the whole... Um, race-based criterion for advancement. The natural sciences were always kind of the last holdout, but you know, I note that I think in the last two weeks, the American Medical Association just came out and said that the um, BMI index is racist and should be discarded 
uh, should be discarded and not used anymore because it's racist. And you know, science. So science, science itself is is slowly being corrupted by this by this terrible woke sickness. It's a sickness. It, it it is meant to divide and conquer society. It is meant to create a caste system. It's a sickness, and it's being used by people behind the curtain to drive us all into the ground sooner or later. And the Maori who are advanced today just because of the circumstances of their birth um, will be predated upon tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, then the day after. Now, the label racist seems to be bandied about a lot. Um, And it's used to shut down any type of intelligent argument. If you're saying something that they don't like, you're racist. I mean, it could be something, it could be the weather and, oh no, you're racist. You know what I mean? Why do you think that has become such a overused application when really those using it don't know, have a clear definition of it? And I'll give you examples of that shortly. Because it's so effective. It's such an effective tool for avoiding argument and discussion. You get to shut down debate and and claim you won the debate um, within two minutes and without making a single reasoned point. It's a very effective tool. I mean, it's like the ad hominem conspiracy theorists. It's the same thing. These are ad hominems. They're designed to shut down debate. And then the people hurling the ad hominem say, yeah, we won. Um, Robert Kennedy just sat an interview and he was being interviewed by some leftist journalists. And one of the leftist journalists said, you know, one of the problems we have with you, Robert, is you peddle so many ridiculous conspiracy theorists. And the leftist journalist reeled reeled off like 10 or 15 conspiracy theories, uh, allegedly, that Robert Kennedy holds. And Kennedy simply said, well, tell me where I'm wrong. And the journalist was like, but you're a conspiracy theorist. And Kennedy was like, Okay, let's go through each one you named and let's argue them point by point on the merits. And of course, the journalist wasn't prepared to do that because they thought they would win just by hurling the ad hominem. And the journalist looked like a total idiot. And this all stems from, I mean, the playbook here was put together by an idiot scholar named, American legal scholar named Cass Sunstein back in 2008. He wrote this article that gave academics and journalists, the media, the playbook of avoiding debate by simply saying conspiracy theorists. And then eventually that morphed into racist. You know, you're a racist. You're right. Um, You know, I I take issue with the whole climate change uh, ideology. You're a racist. Um, I take issue with the COVID vaccine. You're a racist. (laughs) It's very (laughs) effective. I'd use it, too. Yep. No, you're right. And and, and that's, that's playing out here. Uh, perfectly. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't like counterspin, so um, you should you should see the trolls on Twitter. And, that. and there's only like a handful of them. You know, some of them I'll go on and I'll just give heaps to every now and then because they're idiots and I've got a bit of time on my hands at that particular point. Uh, so I just make them look like idiots. Because I, so I say to everyone, prove us wrong. We're, what have we said that's wrong? And they can't. And over two years we've been going, they haven't been able to because we stick to facts and evidence. And if we ask someone for their opinion, then they know ahead of time it's an opinion. If I state something as fact, I say, that is my position until you can provide me credible evidence that challenges my belief in order to have me have a paradigm shift. Until then, I'm right. And it doesn't matter how much you want to hurdle at me by way of um, attacks. um, It's not going to change the fact that you're an idiot because you can't intelligently debate me or come up with anything credible. Now, I'm going to give you an example of something here that is actually quite astounding. It's um, 
Uh, it's from Casey Costello. She's a trustee at Hobson's Pledge. I mean, no, of course, <laughs> Maori hate Hobson's Pledge because they, well, they basically stick to facts in that and, and no one likes arguing that. So basically they sent an official information act request to a lot of the ministers asking for a definition, an official definition, a definition of racism, because obviously they're all talking about, you know, systemic racism and racism here, there and everywhere. Um, it's almost like J. Edgar Hoover's reds under the bed. We're everywhere. Um, so they received the, the, these now from Adama Davidson, who I don't like David Seymour from act, but she's, uh, calling him out for saying, you know, um, David Seymour, um, ask racist questions and all that sort of stuff. But when she was asked about the definition of racism, her, um, response was Aotearoa New Zealand has no agreed definition of racism, but yet she's okay to bandy it about, even though she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Then we move on to people like uh, Jenny Anderson. Um, the OIA cannot be used to force ministers or agencies to engage in debate or to create justifications or explanations in relation to something a person might be interested in. There is no obligation to create new information to answer an OIA. So therefore, you're basically you're refused under 18E of the uh, Official Information Act uh, because the information doesn't exist. That's Jenny Anderson. Uh, Barbara Edmonds. Your questions appear designed to engage in debate about government policies to address racism. I'm therefore refusing your request under 18G. Well, that's a new one. Uh, Kira Minolte, the questions you raised do not appear to be seeking any official information likely to be held by this office. Fair enough, uh, because you don't have one. Um, there's, they're, they're everywhere. Nanaya Mahuta, your correspondence does not meet the threshold for being a request under the OIA. She obviously didn't write this. Um, it'll be one of her hacks sending it back on her behalf, uh, under the OIO as an order to respond to your query would require an agency to form an opinion or provide an explanation so as to create new information to answer. And this goes on a penny hard, um, Henari, Andrew Little, Willie, Willie Jackson's one is quite, uh, quite interesting. An agency or minister is not required to form an opinion or create information to answer an official information act request. Chris Hipkins, the, the questions you raised do not appear to be seeking any official information likely to be held by this office. And we've got Kitty Allen, we've got Calvin Davis, Jan Tanetti, all these people saying the same thing. They do not have a definition, a definition of racism, but yet they are more than happy to utilize that word to create their narrative and to push a planned um, desired outcome. Now, what do you have to say about that? These people using a word that they have no idea and have no consensus on its bloody meaning. It gets back to how effective it is in shutting down debate. Not only do, are they not unsure of the meaning, and frankly, the meaning of racist is, I think, really clear. Um, I think we all know a racist statement when we hear it, or we all recognize a racist person when we see them. I mean, it comes down to this. Um, racist is when you think that a person is less worthy, less deserving, less talented, less clean, less able, not because of their choices, not because of their efforts, not because of their achievements, but because of the color of their skin, something that's completely out of their control. That's racist. Apart from that, uh, it's probably not racist. Um, none of us who watches a movie from the 1950s or sees documentary footing, uh, footage of the Jim Crow regime can doubt 
that that was a racist regime. Of course it was. None of us can look at footage of apartheid South Africa and not recognize the racism of that system because people were were handicapped and insulted and demeaned, not because of their choices, not because of their intellect, not because of what they did, but because of the color of their skin. That is racism. So the meaning of racism is actually extremely clear. And the fact that these government agencies say they don't have any information responsive to the question, what is racism? And the fact that many can't really quite define it, but they say they know it when they see it, is absolutely preposterous. I'll give you a personal example. Kate Hanna gave an interview uh, to the AUT student magazine while I was a senior lecturer at AUT. And she said that my views were at the end of the day, should be considered racist and sexist. Um, I don't know if Ms. Hannah feels that she can define the word racism, but if she were at all acquainted with my scholarship, she would know very clearly that I am not a racist because my scholarship um, is uh, made up of articles written on behalf of the brown peoples of Libya and the brown peoples of Syria, the brown Muslim peoples of both countries and very much written against the white power structures of Western Europe and the United States. Um, and she would know that at the end of my 9-11 article as a false flag, I said one of the benefits of getting at the truth of 9-11 is that it would enable Muslims and, uh, and the white peoples of the West to live in peace and both deserve, both peoples, both cultures deserve that. So if she had even looked at my scholarship, it would have been abundantly clear that I'm not a racist. And I don't I don't know for a fact whether she reviewed my scholarship. I suspect that she did not. But that did not inhibit her from throwing out that term anyway. Whether she feels she can define it or not, I don't know. So we've, yeah. we've, we've gotten to a place where very hurtful words are bandied about purely for the polemic uh, ammunition they afford. That's it. That's it. And that's causing a degradation in our politics, and it's causing a degradation in our language, which might be even worse, because without agreed upon language, um, humans, we're social animals. And if we don't have a working language with agreed meanings, we, our, our, our societies degenerate. They just degenerate. And that's what you're seeing, the muddying of language and all the terrible collateral damage that that, ha that especially such loaded terms. I mean, if we want to argue about what an apple is, okay, who really cares? But to argue the meaning of racism, such a loaded term with such emotional consequences. You want to muddy yeah. that term? Well, that's what they've done. And that's why we're in the situation we're in. It's a grotesque situation. Yeah, I agree. And Kay Hanner, of course, with Tipuna Hamatatini fame <laughs> or infamy, um, the Fire and Fury documentary, all these things that um, they've put out that's been completely and utterly destroyed absolutely destroyed they have nothing and they are uh, like i said these are the people who are put in place installed in places at arm's length from government to basically push uh government agenda half of the time they get contracts with the government they get well funded to spread a whole lot of misinformation and lies and then project on us to say we're spreading misinformation and lies but when we call them out and say well we're they can't just like i'm meant to be a white supremacist well, that's easily debunked, and I'm meant to be far right. I am still, maybe you can help me here. What the hell is far right? I have no idea where center is, so what is far right of that? I'm still coming to terms with what the hell far right is. What does it actually mean? Very, very correct. 
<laughs> yeah, right so far. Um, yeah, it's just I don't get into the left-right paradigm. Like I said, I'm not left or right. I'm straight up the guts. And if, if no one likes it, that's really too bad. Um, it says more about them than me. And if they can't prove me wrong on something, then maybe they should ask themselves why they can't prove me wrong and actually look at themselves in the mirror and say, well, hey, come, maybe you've been sold a bill of goods here and it's time to get back on track. Anything else you want to add to this whole discussion? Because, um, like I said, it's a hotly debated topic in this uh, this country. It's ripping the country apart, basically, this whole racism thing, this whole changing of our street signs, and you've got to basically pay homage to people that really have no expectation of it. You know, they shouldn't have an expectation of having homage paid to them. Um, And I would, like I said, I'd love to see the archives opened up. I really would, and get the truth out there. We need... um... I think the only people who can really put an end to this grotesque situation are the Maori themselves. Um, and so they they have to, we, we need to see courageous Maori like Thomas Sowell in the United States, the, the black American uh, academic get up there and say, we, we, we don't want to be, um, you know, we don't need to say to the power structure, the white power structure behind the curtain, we don't want your bribery. It will corrupt us and it will corrupt the society. We don't want it. We're willing to go forward on our own merits. We, you know, t- uh, take it from us. We don't want it. In, this, in the same way that only, only gay people can put an end to the trans insanity. That's why as a gay woman, I speak out against um, the, tran- the trans insanity, which is, which is wreaking its own havoc on this society and other Western countries. Um, you have to have... Um, uh, the, the, let me put it this way. The community that is being favored and advanced illegitimately by these agendas from within that community must arise. Courageous people say, we don't want this. We don't want to be used by the cabal in this way. We refuse to allow ourselves to be used. And if enough Maori would do that, and if enough uh, people in the LGBTQRSTUV community would do that, the 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 cabal's agenda would falter and it would falter mortally. Um, but but the will has to arise within the, the LGBTQ community. It must arise in the African-American community. It must, like Clarence Thomas, for example, is an example of someone who said, I don't want to be corrupted. Even if you, even if I become wealthy off of that, I don't want to be corrupted in this way. Um, and if those members from within those favored communities um, arise, then we can put an end to this very quickly. If they don't come forward and speak and say, no, we, we don't want your bribery. If they don't, it will be, it will be harder. It will be harder because the more that uh, the majority whites speak out, the more they will be de- that will be taken as evidence of their inherent racism and their systemic racism. And the more reject- resentment the white community feels, uh, that will be cited as yet further evidence that they're racist. So we need the help of Maori to step forward. And in the LGBTQ context, we need gay people to step forward and say that this uh, trans religion is grotesque because it is, and it's yeah. a deep threat, threat to children and teens. Yeah, it's quite, uh, you know, the one thing I suppose is, is a bit of a, bit of a humorous um, add-on is that you have all the trans, yeah, well, the trans T-shirts and um, merchandise being offered out, and but they're in women's sizes and men's sizes. There's no non-binary size, you know what I mean? There's no buy size, 
or anything like that. It's all in just men's and women's sizes. So how the hell does that work? You know what I mean? Maybe they haven't got to the clothing manufacturers yet. Who knows? Yeah. Good question. <laughs> had to add that people, because, you know, those people logic, annoy logic me. Logic people. Those people are getting on my nerves and they annoy me. And I'm, you know, what can I say? Yeah, exactly. Well, no, we appreciate your insight. It's always lovely having you on because you bring common sense, logic and reason and, and a good, healthy uh, bit of skepticism as well. Um, so we'll um, have you on, no doubt, for another episode. In fact, I want you on for one I'm going to do. I'm going to do a real controversial one coming up. I'm going to delve into the Holocaust and I'm going to delve oh. into the six million. I'm going to delve into um, the stories on both sides, the stuff you're not allowed to hear, we're going to present. Uh, because I want to actually blow the lid on a whole lot of crap because we know full well that almost everything we've ever been told, we might as well get it, collect it, and throw it in the bin because it's all been leading up to a particular mindset for everyone. So I want to be open and frank and actually see if we can get both sides to the table. Um, you know, talk about people like David Cole, a Jewish um, investigative journalist who went over to Auschwitz, did some interviews. He went there to prove the Holocaust existed and all that. And he was quite surprised he actually turned himself around. Um, there's others who say, no, it definitely happened because, and they've got a long list of reasons. So let's find both sides and let's somewhere get to the truth. Yeah, I'd, like I'd, I'd love, I'd that, love to great. come on. Yeah, and because I'm half Jewish, you know, people can't call me anti-Semitic. They can maybe say that I'm a self-hating half Jew, but I'm fine with that. Yeah, and, and they will. They absolutely will. That, that's what's going to happen. Anyone who who debunks an official narrative, and we know most official narratives end in 20, 30 years to be proven to be wrong anyway, but by that time, so much time's gone past that people say, oh, let's just move on, like the whole COVID thing. Oh, it's over now. Let's just move on. No way in hell do I want to move on. I want to hold all those pricks criminally responsible for what they've done, and there is no going back until we can get that sorted. Um, so, yeah. So thanks very much for coming on. Uh, like I said, the show is just going to get better and better and we aren't going to stop now. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Always. Slow recovery. Virus infections, injections, connections can all leave a toxic residue. Spike proteins are the hooks on the outside of the virus that attach to your cells. Spike proteins fit like a key into these ACE receptors unlocking cellular walls. Spike proteins are still found in the body months after an exposure, leaking from the intestine into the bloodstream, hitting ACE receptors which can disrupt normal blood and heart processes, meaning slower recovery for people who can't break them down. Spike Detox is a formula to support your body in normal functions, including detox, after exposure to glycoproteins. Inspired by four everyday plant medicines. Two plants that support cells, two plants that support detox. Cell support, supercomputers predicted black seed and quercetin have molecules that fit the ACE receptor to protect it, supporting normal heart and blood. And normal cell walls. Detox support. Spikes are glycoprotein. Some people can break down glycoprotein quickly. Others benefit from extra support. Pineapple's bromelain enzymes break down glycoproteins, like when pineapple juice tenderizes steak. Bromelain dissolves glycoproteins, supporting natural detoxification for people who need it. 
Acetylcysteine is a stable form of amino acid cysteine inspired by similar compounds in garlic, an antioxidant powerhouse shown to increase bromelain's ability to dissolve spikes. Spike Detox supports normal heart and blood, supports normal cell walls, supports natural detoxification, because not everyone is bouncing back quickly. Spike Detox is available from extralife.co.nz. Enter promo code CSM at checkout for $10 off your order, and Extra Life will make a special donation to Counterspin. Extra Life. For maximum longevity. This product is a dietary supplement. It cannot diagnose, treat or cure any disease. These herbal extracts and nutrients support your body and its natural processes to maintain a state of wellness. If you are experiencing illness or disease, please consult a health professional. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network, at band.video.